Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of the Steelers preview. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and we're continuing to talk about confidence index, confidence ratings for the offensive coaching staff. I'm joined by Brian Anthony Davis, podcast producer, and Dave Schofield, the other co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. All right, let's talk about uh, let's go running backs. Eddie Faulkner, Eddie Faulkner, who actually knows Matt Canada very well. They coached together at NC state. Uh, he was, I believe a tight ends coach at NC state. And then Mike Tomlin brings him into coach the running backs. And we talked about Friar Muth with Alfredo Roberts. He's going to have Najee Harris, uh, under his tutelage this year. So let's talk about confidence in Faulkner. Go ahead, Brian. Eddie Faulkner was the uh, the running backs coach for the last few years, and they did not uh, they did not rank well under Eddie Faulkner. But they did retain him when they were getting rid of a lot of people. So that tells me that they were not concerned about the job that Eddie Faulkner was doing as much as they were concerned about the scheme with once again Randy Land. So with that, they have confidence in him. I'm going to go ahead and say a six or a seven because I really think that uh, this is going to change with the scheme. He would not be here if he was a part part of the problem. All right, Dave, what do you think about Faulkner? This is a tough one for me. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say four based on past experience that I'm going to say less than average, but it's, I, 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 it's not personal. I think this is his chance to show what he can do. I mean, now they kept him around when the running game was dead last, when you know when they were making other moves, and they drafted a running back in the first round. It's it's all or nothing for him now, in my opinion. 
Um, the only thing I would say is if they really would have invested in the offensive line to show that that's what it was going to be, then you could really say that. But I, I still think we'll we'll see what you can do. They're not just throwing mid-round picks in the backfield anymore. You're going to get the higher pedigree and see what they can do with it. You gave him a four. I'm going to go five. I think that five is fair. Like you said, it's one of those situations where <laughs> – my Tyler W is coming. So, sorry, <laughs> um, it's it's got to be one of those situations where, like you said, there's no excuses anymore. You know, you could say last year that well, James Conner was hurt and Benny Snell might not be that great, and and Anthony McFarland's a rookie and Jalen Samuels he had that one really good game against the Patriots, but since then he hasn't done much. Well, you just got a top draft pick. You just got a top draft pick in Najee Harris. You, you have to be able to do something with it. Like, that's it. And so there's a lot of people in the live chat that are saying, like, some are saying a decent score for uh, Faulkner, you know, in terms of confidence ranking. Some are saying minus fours, minus eights. There's a lot of people that don't like him. I don't necessarily put all of the onus on the lack of a running game on the running backs coach. I mean, do you, do I, I, maybe I'm, am I nuts for thinking that, guys? I mean, it's it's I don't know. It's the running backs coach. He's not out there choosing the. We don't hole. know what they were asking him to do. Well, I mean, but you, you, you know, know what look I'm at, saying? Look, honestly, like, let me plug this article in this series because there's another one coming up Friday. Kevin Smith, our Cliff Harris, still a punk on behind the steel curtain, has been diagnosed. He's doing a three part film room series on the issues with the running game. Go and look at part one. Seriously, he looks at the Bengals game on Monday Night Football where the Steelers lose, and he diagrams everything that went wrong. And let me tell you this: never once did he say. Benny Snell did that because Eddie Faulkner told him to do that. <laughs> you know, Benny Snell doesn't have yeah. good vision. He doesn't have good lateral speed. So take it for what it's worth. Take it for what it's worth. Brian, is there anything you want to say? Yeah, you know what? Dave mentioned it earlier. The first five games of the season, the running game was there. They were the first team to have a 100-yard rusher in the first three games of the season. Pittsburgh had a running game going, like Dave said. It stopped. So if you are going to say, "Hey, have you seen our running backs last season?" If you if you're just gonna if you're just gonna bust on everything, then you're not looking at the big picture. Then you have myopia. You're just looking at one thing. And so, yeah, if they're keeping this guy around, they're keeping him around because they see what we don't see. I'm sorry, on your TV, on my TV at home, I don't know what's going on in that Steeler playoff bubble. I just don't know. But they know they're evaluating the talent just the same with the drafting. So come on, give the give yeah. this. I mean, have 2020 vision. Well, and let's also remember, like you said, the, the Steelers pretty much this is as close to clearing house as they get. <laughs> and that's the Steelers front office. Would you agree? This was as this offseason, this past offseason was as close as they will get to clearing house. Am I right? You guys agree with that? Dave, yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, I would say. I mean, I don't know. You got rid of the offensive coordinator. You got rid of the defensive backs coach. You got the tight end coach retired. I mean, maybe not clearing house, but having to replace a lot of coaches had to happen. So he made the cut. We'll put it that way. All right. Let's go on to a coach I'm actually really excited about for a lot of reasons. That's the offensive line coach, Adrian Clem, former player. I think that really does matter. Hey, this guy played, he started, he played. I know he played in New England. I know he played in Green Bay. I'm not sure if he had any other stops along the way. He did spend two years as an assistant with the Steelers under Sean Surrett. Um, 
But guys, what's your confidence? This is his first time being the guy on the offensive line. What do you think, Brian? What's your confidence rating? My confidence rating is a 10. And I'm going to tell you why it's a 10. Yeah, that's that's lofty. Because when he was hired, the three of us on this show were like, eh. <laughs> You know, it's a guy from in-house. Shouldn't they be cleaning house? And we we weren't loving it at first. One, because we just didn't know about, about this guy. But then you have guys on the offensive line. And not just the offensive line. You have Cam Hayward coming out and saying, man, this is a great promotion. And they're talking about Adrian Clem, how much they believe in this guy. And yeah, he was there last year when it was bad. But I was in a position 20-some years ago when I was the assistant manager at an enterprise rent-a-car and things were going bad and I could not put my my system together because the manager was completely off the rocker. And so they were going to, when they got rid of this manager, they were talking about, I said, well, am I eligible for it? They're eligible, but you know, the whole ship's going on. So maybe we should get it going down. Maybe we should get a whole new crew. I'm like, man, you got to give me a chance Give me, let me implement my thing. In three months, we were number one. So in the region. So just because he was there when things were going bad, just like the Matt Canada thing, the Adrian Clem thing is a big deal because these guys will, these guys will fight for him. They were cheering when he got the job. They, they were ready. And with, if you have the players believe in you and know what he brings to the table, then, then that just trumps everything that I thought that first night. Yeah, and I, someone was asking, did Clem have any say last season? From what I, I heard, about that. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Then I don't what I was going to say is, my I I have him at a seven. I would have been more around a five, just because of they interviewed him and then they like didn't hire anyone for forever while they looked at other people. And it's almost like they came back and said, well, okay, well, I guess we'll do it. I mean, it, it, it seemed like they settled. I don't know if that's that, but that's not necessarily bad, but then you hear about, well, he's the guy working with the guys who are the non-starters as he is assistant offensive line coach. And a lot of the readiness of Kevin Dotson was attributed to Clem from what I understand. Is that what you're going to say, Jeff? Well, Ramon Foster, when mm -hmm. I came out and said that the assistant offensive line coach typically works with the individual and or young players. So he accredited a lot of the success last season with Chuksakor for whether you like him or not. Um, and Kevin Dotson to Clem because he's the mm -hmm. offensive line coach. The head offensive line coach is really working with the offensive coordinator a lot. They're putting the plan in place. It's the assistant that is having a lot of meetings with one-on-one -on -one players and working on their skill sets and stuff like that. So the Kevin Dotson success, a lot of that can be tied directly to Adrian Clem. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I liked listening to him whenever they had lineman draft picks. I really felt like I oh, could yeah. listen to him, but um, I, I don't want to have high expectations. I had, a, I had high expectations for, from for Sean Surrett based on how the Steelers felt about him. And then that kind of, well, look, go away that, a little bit. It's a good point there, Dave. Do you remember any players saying the things about Surrett when he was hired? I'm not saying they didn't. They did. They did because yeah, I don't remember that. I don't remember people did. saying that. Okay. All right, but then uh, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say no, but you they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with um I I'm going to go with an 8. I'm going to go with an 8. I know that's a little bit high for a lot of people, but I just think that, again, playing in the National Football League, it does matter. 
Mike Munchak was a, a Hall of Fame player. That matters. That really does matter. Now, I'm not saying Adrian Clem is or ever will be a Hall of Fame player, but still, he has experience in the NFL. So for me, I think that he can bring not only the experience to the table, but he can also really do a great job communicating with players. He knows what it's like being out there in the trenches, and that's something Sean Threat, not his fault, he did not know. He was not in the NFL, that I'm aware of. Was he? Because no. he played at Kent with James Harrison, didn't he? That's how he got the nickname Sweet Feet. Something James like Harrison came in and says, what's Sweet Feet doing in here? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> all right, let's go. We weren't going to talk about this, but let's talk about the assistant offensive line coach because, and we're not going to give him a confidence grade, but Chris I Morgan. Go ahead, Chris Morgan, assistant line coach. Uh, Dave, go ahead and go first since you were Ten. so excited. A 10. Yes. Anytime you can bring in an assistant offensive line coach, that spent a, that's had time as an offensive line coach. I mean, he was he was with he was the offensive line coach with the Falcons since 2015. Now some people are like, oh, what well, do they have a great line? I tell you what, there was people with the Falcons that were upset that he was not retained. So I'm like, anytime you can have someone like that that has the experience, especially with a that makes me feel better about Clem having someone else who's done this job a very long time. I mean, he's been he's been coaching in the NFL since 2009. So, and it's all been offensive line. So that's why I'm like, that's why I, I like this as an as a guy that's going to help develop young guys. Brian, what do you think about Chris Morgan as the assistant line coach? I don't know many offensive line coaches. I don't know many assistant <laughs> offensive line coaches. I think I know one, and it's uh, Mike Munchak, just because I know who he is, and he was here. And there was there was the guy forever, um, and I can't remember his name, but the guy in New England, and th- that's probably about it. I mean, I'm going to have to just just uh, jump on everything that uh, jump on Dave's bandwagon and say everything that he's saying. You know, I kind of agree with it because he's a good hire if they trust what they're bringing in. Yeah, there's nothing for me to add to this. Let's kind of wrap this up in a way. And, and talk about the offense as a as a whole. There was a lot of turnover on this staff. I mean, when you think about it, Matt Canada, first-year coordinator, quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan, brand new to the system, wide receivers coach Ike Hilliard, second year, uh, tight ends coach Alfredo Roberts, first year with the team, um, Adrian Clem, first year as an offensive line coach, Chris Morgan, first year with the team. If you were to just give a, a overall confidence of the offensive coaching staff, an overall confidence ranking, index, rating, whatever pro football focus is using this week, what would you give the offensive staff in general? Brian, go ahead. I think if you average up everything that uh, came out of my mouth tonight, I would probably say seven and a half, eight. Okay. Dave, what about you? Yeah, I was going to say seven and a half. It's young guys. I mean, well, they're not all young, but they're all fresh. So if offense is where you're struggling with staleness, fresh is generally a better way to go, if you know what I mean. But we'll, but it's got to work. That's the other thing is, it, is it's got to all fit together and work. So let's just say maybe maybe that's my hopeful index, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you could find out that sometimes you go to do things and they just don't work. So if the, the Steelers can't be – one of those loyal to a T teams, if they bring together this offensive coaching staff and they find this year that it doesn't work, that there are, it's just not the right fit in places, then you've got to go ahead and make the moves. 
I'm going to give him a seven. I'm going to give it a seven. And Donald Nolan, I'm not going to bring it up, but he says, are we going to review the medical staff and Waterboys next? Maybe. Do we have their names? <laughs> yeah. And then he also says the hot dog vendors get a three and a half. Well, no, I get it. That's a funny joke, Don. I'm not, I'm not picking on y'all. <laughs> but what I want to say is that as fans, everyone wants to blame the coaches. You might as well know who they are. And there's already <laughs> been several names that we've thrown out there that everyone's like, who is that? We have, we have a coach like that. Who is this guy? You might as well know the coaches if you're going to blame them constantly for poor play. So that's, that's my thought here. Go ahead, Dave. You want to say something? No, I, I just, okay. I completely agree with you. Okay. All right. So if you're going to complain about the coach, go ahead, Brian, you got to say something. Yeah. I mean, I think that we should with that, just go ahead and mention Glenn Guymont and Matt Toshmo. Um, those guys are your strength and conditioning coaches and your quality <laughs> control coach. I well, so, quality control that's right. They have a new guy, that's a new guy. They never had a quality show. control coach yeah. before. He's gonna do like someone said that a quality control coach is basically taking um two weeks ahead of time, like film and breaking it down and. I know. I'm, do they have a get back coach? That's what I want to know. I love yeah. watching those videos of the get back coach. Get back. Get back. Get back. Get back. <laughs> is, is that the, whole coach? Go ahead. Is the quality control coach the guy that also mm. helps out with the uh, with the challenge flags? I don't. I don't know because Tom holds sure. his own challenge flag. I think it's uh, McVeigh out in L.A. that he has a guy that mm. always he walks behind him and pulls him back off the field. <laughs> hey, I'll do that. I've, I'll do I've that. Coached in I games. Well, we've gotten well, we've gotten penalties for the sideline stuff. I believe right? it. Well, I bet that coach. I bet that get back coach makes more than I do in like my career. So I would gladly pull Sean McVay back off the field. That'd be fun. I, I, can I sign up for that? <laughs> Good luck trying to move me and try to pull me. Hey, I always out on the said. Field with I, you. I always said the best positions in sports. You have like backup third string quarterback that still is on the team but never plays. Uh, you have a bullpen catcher in baseball that travels on the team just to catch the bull. Go ahead, Brian. If you were a fan of the Steelers in the nineties, then you know, this guy, the guy who held the, uh, who held the cord for a Bill Tomlin's headset. Bill Tomlin? I can picture Bill Tomlin. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm sorry. Bill, Bill Cower. Sorry. I'm sorry. Mike Cower. Yeah. Uh, Was he number 58? Yes. <laughs> Bill Tomlin. Hey, I, I've got editing power. <laughs> um, for uh, Bill Cowers' headset, you know the guy I'm talking about. I can picture him now. He was every single game. He was right next to him, holding the cord for his headset. <laughs> oh, Mr. Hammer is coming out and saying this team needs a better nutritionist. Come on, guys, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Um, oh, no, all it's right. Fun. It's fun. All right. Anyways, all right. so Bill Bill Tomlin, he'll be at the uh, <laughs> Century Three Mall. Signing <laughs> <laughs> autographs. Century Three, Lebanon Church Road, Pittsburgh. Minutes from the mall. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> Those that are in the Pittsburgh area <laughs> know that. They, they know that commercial. <laughs> All right. Uh, trivia. There's no we have... fee unless we get money for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. We have trivia. Dave yes, has trivia. Do. Let's go. Here I, go. I have trivia. And it's ironic. We, I didn't even know we were talking about coaches when I f- found this trivia. I stumbled on it looking at some, at some old things. And we know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are known for their, their, their consistency when it comes to the head coaching position. You know, three head coaches since the merger and every, everything like that. And because of this, we don't get scenarios where the Steelers face former coaches. Like when, when the Tennessee Titans happened to face the Denver Broncos, they would be facing their former head coach in Mike Munchak. When's the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers faced their former head coach in a regular season or playoff game? Holy cow. <laughs> Brian, you got to get, I don't know. I'm not, I have no idea. Oh, gosh. Uh, it was probably uh, – was it against the Detroit Lions in, like, 1959? Or with Bobby Lee, Lane was the uh, quarterback for the for Pittsburgh. I, I don't know. Buddy Parker? Okay. Um, now, you know what? I had this up, and now it's now it's not here. Um, when I was going to you list off a bunch answer. of it. No, I have the answer. <laughs> I, I wanted to be able to respond to his incorrect answers is what it was. Gotcha. But I will tell you this. On November 5th, 1973, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers had a 21-16 to victory over the Washington Redskins where their offensive line coach was none other than Mike Tomlin. Oh, no, I mean Bill Tomlin. Um, no, it was, it was, it was um, Bill Austin. The, the coach before. Bill Austin. So it has so been cold. since 19, <laughs> 1973 was the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> faced a team where a former offensive or former head coach was still coaching, which is pretty impressive when you think about that. But I also had I had another one I was going to ask specifically for Jeff because this one's this one might be a little bit easier. Because All right, it's about um, major league. I got it. Here we um, go. But because this is actually something <laughs> that you've mentioned before, you mentioned that when the pit, you know, talking about the immaculate reception, yeah, that that was you're like we got to remind fans. A lot of people, a lot of younger fans don't realize the Steelers didn't win the Super Bowl that year. We no. we we know that the seventy two, right? Yes, yes. But that that play gave the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two firsts in their franchise history. What were their? What were those two firsts? Well, the first was their first playoff win. That what? Ex- absolutely, that was their first <clears throat> ever playoff win. So, started in 1933, and yeah. they didn't get their first playoff win until 1972. Okay. Was was it their first? <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the live chat. Sorry. Was it? The, was man? I'm never going to let this bill thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna live this one down. Yeah. Um, so, um, was it their first AFC Championship game at home? Because they actually played the Dolphins well, it, at home. That's that's yeah. true, but that's not that's not the more impressive first that I'm talking about. That's a little bit more obscure. Okay, there's something that's bigger that people don't realize. Um, I don't know. What is it? That was their first postseason touchdown. Oh, really? In the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. Because they had only ever been in one playoff game before that, 
And I had that up, but I'm not even going to do that. It was I, in, in the 50s, and they played the Philadelphia Eagles and lost 21 to nothing. And the score going up into that point was 7-6 to six after two field goals. So that was their first postseason touchdown in the in 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 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's, I did so not it know really that. was the play that started it all. It started their first postseason touchdown, the first postseason win. Unfortunately, it did fall to the undefeated Dolphins the next week. But that that was kind of that was a big deal. I did not realize that that was their first mm-hmm. touchdown until I until I stumbled across that. That's really interesting. I never knew that. All right, that's good. Mm-hmm. Brian, did you have a trivia? Did you see yes. one? Yes, I do. Right, and this this actually stems from a conversation that we were having earlier in the show. And it made me think about it when Jeff was saying that, hey, remember when we had to worry about guys holding out? Well, back in the day, back since it was since the merger, but we had a situation where the first round pick decided to go play in Canada for two years instead of playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So when he finally came aboard, it's like the Steelers had two first round picks that year. Who was this guy and what year was it? I know this. I know this. But I can't remember. Because I've I've talked about him before. And now suddenly it seems like I can't remember. Jeff, do you have any idea? Nope. Nope. 1981, out of the University of Oklahoma, it was Keith Gary, Keith and Gary. he wore number 92, and he played for the Montreal Alouettes for actually two, two to three years, and I think he came in in 1984. So they had they basically had Lewis Lips and Keith Gary as uh, number one picks starting as rookies. Well, that's interesting. Are. Very interesting. All right, that about wraps it up. Let's do some final thoughts here. Brian, go ahead. Final thoughts before we call it a show. Well, we're getting ready to go into June, and pretty soon we're going to be talking about even more importantly, training camp. And this entire team is shaping up, and nobody is believing in this team. I'm looking at mock drafts already that has this team picking around 14 or 15 and picking their next quarterback. And, you know, I love it because when you do that, the 53 guys that make this roster have an even bigger chip on their shoulder. And that is so nice to see because when this team has a chip on the shoulder, they're dangerous. When you don't expect this team, they're even more dangerous. That's a good point. Dave, final thoughts. Yeah, it's kind of becoming a bit of a perfect storm that – of what I would rather see, but then again, they've got to come through. Brian kind of brought it up. Is it, is it, you know, you're talking about, uh, I'm sorry. They just took the lead <laughs> um, on, on my phone. Um, so I was, I, Seattle has two losses. <laughs> I'm not even paying attention to my own final thoughts because the bench just scored. Um, I didn't get to see who it was. So Jeff, you're opinion. Tana. Anyways. Um, yeah. Sorry, but what what I was going to say was that people are down on them. They're not expecting a lot out of the Steelers, so they have a lot to prove, like like Bad said. And then everyone's like, oh, that schedule was brutal. That schedule was brutal. You know what? I would rather the Steelers be battle-tested. I really would. I would rather them be battle-tested by a tough schedule 
than say, oh, have they really been challenged whenever they whenever they they get there? So I kind of like those couple things together, you know, coming together for this year. Let's fly under the radar. You know, how many times have we said the Steelers play better as underdogs and things like that? So bring it on. I'm excited. We'll we'll see how it goes. Um I'll almost want to see my brother's line, but I won't. All right. Wes gives us $2 and says bad. John Domain is the guy who held Bill Cower, not Bill Tomlin. That was a different guy. (laughs) Um, Bill Cower's cord. Uh, And there's a lot of that was That was probably a dangerous job, to be honest with you. Um, (laughs) Just because of Cower's demeanor. (laughs) Could you imagine being that guy against the, uh, I forget who they were playing when he ran onto the field and stuffed the picture into the official's pocket when they called him for too many men on the field. Oh, that was Um, great. If you're not paying attention, he'll he'll pull you across the field. Yeah, I bet. I bet. All right. You so, know, uh, look, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. You go ahead. I'm just going to say the only job worse than that is uh, the guy that actually uh, shows up to the uh, Cower household to take one of his three daughters out to the prom. Ah. <laughs> that would be tough. Okay, so uh, I do want to say that we do have some news coming up. Uh, the fact that OTAs uh, kick in next week. They start on Monday. There's three different sessions. And then minicamp is June 15th, I think, 15th to the 17th. It's after that time when we go into the dog days of summer. And we there's just not that much to talk about. Until then, we will have some news. So make sure BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. Wherever you get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe and follow so you don't miss anything. All of our PM shows that are on YouTube or live on Facebook are also found there, as well as my Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Let's Ride, Dave Statgeek on Thursday, um, the live mic with Michael Beck on Tuesday. So make sure you check out all that great stuff. All right, that's it. That's the wrap. Next week, we'll talk about defensive coaches. Dave, why don't you send us out? Hey. There it is. We'll see you. Uh, have a great week, everyone. See you next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. 
Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.